Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. Have you noticed that in some passages where Paul calls Timothy to preach the word, he also tells him to be engaged in evangelism? 2 Timothy 4 and verse 5, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Now, not all preachers, pastors, teachers, deacons have evangelistic gifts. However, God expects us to take part in an evangelist's work. Preachers know Jesus called all his disciples to make disciples by being witnesses. Uh, you, you may have preached your share of sermons and, and, and know Matthew 28, 18 through 20 in your sleep backwards um, or, or Acts 1 and verse 8. So, so when, we, when we hear Paul's call to Timothy to do the work of an evangelist, we are theologically in agreement. There's no doubt. But, but unfortunately, many of us are functionally out of agreement. Now, while we love the gospel... Apart from the Sunday sermons, we rarely speak the gospel to somebody who really needs Christ. Ask yourself, when did I last have a gospel conversation with a friend, with a neighbor, with an acquaintance who is separated from Christ, having no hope and without God in the world, Ephesians 2.12. Paul's charge to Timothy about doing the work of an evangelist carries a very clear implication for those of us who are New Testament Christians, let alone preachers and elders and deacons and teachers and servants. We cannot fulfill our ministries if we are not active in evangelism. So let's talk about why it's difficult and why it really matters. I know that doing the work of an evangelist presents some very unique challenges for uh, preachers, pastors, and, and, and the like. So, you know, after all, we spend most of our waking hours caring for Christians, especially elders and preachers. We're, we may be preparing sermons, we're planning, we're problem-solving, solving, we're, we're counseling, we're discipling. Um, besides all that we do for the church, we also provide care for our own families, elders especially, deacons especially. For someone does not know how to maintain or manage his own household, keep his own house, how will he care for the church of God, First uh, Timothy 3, 5, and 6. So, so it's crucial. When Paul wrote to Timothy through, or, or maybe, you know, when he, when he wrote to, to Timothy, even though he was, I, I guess he certainly realized Timothy's felt stretched, you know, if you will. He knew that Timothy was exhausted. He had to encourage the young fella to uh, stay in Crete. He understood that Timothy's temperament was was tender. Um, I think by the end of the second epistle, we we have coined um, uh, Timothy with the ta- with the title "Timid Timothy." Uh, but he had his own temperament, and, and he had his own physical challenge. I mean, re- realistically, he said, "Your stomach, your stomach, and your frequent ailments." You know, he, there was something going on with Timothy on a very regular, frequent basis. Was this stress? Was this stomach ulcers because of stress? Was it the upkeep of the church? Was it trying to fight false teachers? Probably a little bit of everything. That's in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 23. But he also knew proclaiming the gospel could keep, could bring uh, suffering or even land Timothy in prison like it had done for Paul, 2 Timothy 1 and verse 8. But Paul also knew that evangelism was a very integral part uh, of Timothy's calling as a preacher, his his uh, job description, if you will. 
And so that's why he doesn't give Timothy a pass when it comes to doing the work of an evangelist, and that's why we don't get a pass either. On the most fun foundational level, the reason preachers and elders need to be engaged in evangelism is very obvious. Jesus gave his great commission to all his followers. That includes preachers and elders and deacons and Bible class teachers. But I'm convinced there are specific strategic reasons why God wants us, those of us who serve the kingdom, to do the work of an evangelist. He wants those who preach his word to the church to share his heart for the world. He wants preachers to demonstrate a heart for the gospel in order to set an example for the congregation and shape the cultural um, climate of the church. God has designed his, his world uh, so we reproduce after our own kind. And that's true both physically but also spiritually. You know, as Jesus explained, the disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Luke 6 and verse 40. Congregations become like their leaders for better or for worse. They take the face of their of their of the one who's in the pulpit. If preachers only preach about evangelism without being personally engaged in it, people will conclude that giving out the gospel is optional. It's something we affirm on Sunday, yee-haw, pat our backs, here we go, we got it right, boys, we're all sound, but we avoid it on Monday. So on the other hand, when when preachers and elders and deacons and, and Bible class teachers engage in the joys and frustrations of bringing the gospel to their friends and to their family. The church takes notice. When you see one of your leaders suffering for the Lord's sake when it comes to evangelism or being uh, persecuted because of their religious convictions, the church takes notice. The sheep see the shepherds uh, enduring. So as leaders demonstrate an ongoing personal commitment to evangelism, a chance begins to take place in the congregation. Uh, a chance of change, if you will. Others catch the excitement. Gospel conversations become a very regular part of people's lives throughout the week. In time, the culture of the church begins to shift uh, to be more gospel-focused. I want to say this just by sidebar. Healthy churches plant churches. Uh, We are not just about inward and swelling ourselves. We are in the business of Maybe go to the one who has uh, who has to drive the farthest. Uh, being here at Piedmont Road in Marietta, we got a lot of transient members. We got people who are driving uh, forty five minutes to come worship, and that's great. But what would be wrong with us um, having a small group in on their part of town and helping their community and and starting a worship service there in their community and and planting the church? Absolutely nothing. And in fact, it would be God blessed. So while we may hesitate to make time for evangelism in light of all of our other responsibilities, the truth is that when preachers, teachers and deacons, and elders engage in personal evangelism, their example has a positive impact on the life of the congregation. Churches with preachers like this trend toward health and growth. So this is why we find, why we find and why we're finding um, um major results when it comes to sur- to surveys. Lifeway Research in 2017, they did a particular survey, and the study involved 1,500 phone calls to um, uh, pulpit preachers and, and what they call lead pastors uh, serving uh, evangelical congregations of under 200 people. And the results revealed a very significant correlation between the, the, the preacher's personal engagement in evangelism and the congregation's growth by conversion. For example, uh, among Southern Baptist churches, the top 20% of growing churches had 
uh, preachers who were more active in doing the work of an evangelist than than preachers in the lowest 50% of the churches. The believers in the congregations became more consistent in praying for unsaved friends, more purposeful in spending time with non-church people, and more intentional in sharing the gospel and inviting a response. So in presenting the survey results to pastoral leaders, uh, Ed Stetzer drives home a very key, uh, what you might say, takeaway. He said, Preacher, no one in your church will share the gospel more than you. So let's shift from why it's difficult and why it matters to getting to work. So where do we find the time and relational energy needed uh, to meaningful connect with people who need Christ? And, And I can name at least two places. Number one, it is in our sermons, preacher. As noted, Paul's very directive when it comes to Timothy and about about evangelism and and it comes in context in his call of preaching his word. Second Timothy four one through two. The juxtaposition of preaching and evangelism implies that that preachers can do the work of an evangelist as they preach the word. So in the preceding passage, Paul had reminded Timothy how he came to saving faith in Christ through the hearing of the scriptures, that is the old covenant, the old law from his mother and grandmother. He said, How from your childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise unto salvation or for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 3.15. So as Paul explained to the Christians in Rome, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So as Timothy was given the great foundation of the the Pentateuch, the law of Moses, the Torah, the sacred writings, the Psalms, the epistles, uh, of of Solomon and 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 the pen of David and and all of those, that was a great foundation for him coming to Christ. It's it's a huge part. It's 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 um, you cannot have one without the other. Don't dare try to read the book of Hebrews without the old Old Testament. So moving on, faithful exposition of Scripture, including the Old Testament, can have a very powerful evangelistic impact. That's one reason. Um, there are a whole lot of congregations or seminaries or preaching schools that their homiletics courses uh, train students to make a very uh, gospel move, if you will, in every sermon, uh, beginning from the passage that's being preached. Charles Spurgeon recounts on one occasion um, an older minister's words to a young preacher. He says, Do you not know that from every little town and village in tiny hamlet in England there is a road leading to London? Whenever I get a hold of a text, I say to myself, this or there is a road from here to Jesus Christ, and I mean to keep on his track till I get to him. So every biblical text fits into a larger narrative, which centers around and culminates in Christ. As such, every passage provides a trailhead to Christ and his gospel. While the preacher's gospel move may, may be more uh, extensive in some sermons than others, Every sermon should point people to Christ and his redemptive work. You are not preaching the gospel if you are not preaching the resurrection and redemptive work of Jesus. You are preaching some self-help message that is short, half-sided, blind, and it will weak and maim your members. So don't 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 be don't be fooled by thinking that we must teach self-help things. Not not saying that we shouldn't. But don't teach those things alone. When preachers consistently present the gospel message in their expository messages, several positive results often follow. 
Some who are only, quote, churched become saved as their need for Christ and uh, personally embrace the gospel, you know, the message for themselves. But also, committed believers gain confidence to invite friends to the service, knowing that on any given Sunday, the gospel will be presented in the message, even though that the worship service is not for those in the world. The worship service is for God, and it is administrated by those of the church in the ways in which God would have us to. First Corinthians shows us that one who is outside of Christ, one who is an unbeliever, can still sit and observe and see and know. So that would very much say, in your sermon, evangelize. So on the second way in which we do this, it is in our, our own personal evangelism, witness. Uh, the root word is martyr, if you will. Doing the work of an evangelist involves more than preaching the gospel to those who show up for church services. Um, following the um, lead of the Good Shepherd, preachers and elders must go after the lost sheep who will not be, who won't come to church anytime soon. Luke 15 and verse 4. And when I use that term church, they're not coming to the church. They're not coming to the act of worship itself, the corporate body. So how this looks in practice will differ from every preacher, pastor, and deacon and teacher. It's based on their life, their gifts, their circumstances, where they are. But here's where preachers, and here's where the, the preaching gift or the, the pastoral gift, if you will, and the skills can shine. Preachers know how to make conversations with strangers. Elders need to know how to be approachable, number one, but also how to approach Connecting people together, fostering a sense of community. When it's the case that preachers and elders and, and deacons and teachers apply their skills in their neighborhoods and communities, good things will happen evangelistically. Maybe through the years you've partnered with somebody. Maybe you partner with your wife. You develop relationship with your neighbors. You, you, your best friend is across the street, and he's a dentist. He's a Baptist, but he's a great dentist, and so you've just made the best of friends with him. And on Tuesday nights, you and your wife have him and his wife over, and y'all play Scrabble or, or, or Hopscotch or Bingo or whatever it is. Or maybe you've met folks through school. Maybe you're a younger preacher. Maybe you're a deacon. Uh, you need to have relationships, everyday relationships with the world. Don't don't keep yourself in a bubble. Don't allow your only friends to be Christians. Taking relational initiative goes a long way in building friendships. Take somebody a pie. Take somebody a meal. Uh, in each place, you know you live. Uh, be be self appointed. Uh, be be the community connection directors, if you will. Be be a part of the HOA or be a part of the the Neighborhood Watch or the PTA or PTO or whatever it's called today, be, be a part of the Boy Scouts or the T-Ball or the Girl Scouts or the, or, or, or the Dance Recital or whatever, whatever it is, the local chess club, be involved. Be that person. Uh, maybe gather people for, for neighborhood barbecues. Maybe you live at the end of the cul-de-sac. Well, Saturday is the Georgia football game or, or if you're a heathen in Alabama or Tennessee or whatever ball game, I say that tongue-in-cheek, but you know good and well Georgia is the team represented by God, uh, the G on the side of the helmet. Anyway, moving on, uh, maybe you can invite your neighborhood over to your to your backyard and throw up a projector and a screen, and here we go, and yee-haw. Uh, be that kind of person in your community. Be the contagious person in your community. Don't, don't resort to 
to only inviting somebody or leaving a tract at their door, not not nullifying those things, but but be those things. Be those things. Be a personal uh, experience for people, and they see you, and they get to know you, and, and over time, they'll notice something is different with you. They'll notice. The gospel comes with a house key. Have people in your house. Maybe, maybe have a small group in your, in your community. I know we did this at, here at Piedmont Road, and uh, there were people who came to our small group meetings during COVID who, who have never darkened the doors of a church building. They were looking, they were scared, and they were afraid. And there are people here now, part of our congregation, who came because of small groups. And we can ask questions in small groups. We can relate to people in small groups. We can say, why, why is there so much suffering if God is so good? Or uh, what happens to those who are living in alcoholism? Or, or how, do, how do we help people who are uh, subject to suicidal uh, ideology or whatever? When you get practical and you get into your neighborhood, you're opening the door for people and setting the stage for them to meet King Jesus. Out of these gatherings, friendships will develop, and it provides you an opportunity to present the gospel to people and to invite invite friends uh, to an outreach event at the church or, or, or a Sunday service or, or whatever. You can have the joy of seeing God bring people that you know and love to the Savior who loves them through your contagious lifestyle, your personal witness, if you will, to them in this world. Well, let's kind of shift the thought to strengthening your soul because, as we've said, we, we want to guard our hearts, as the proverbial writer said. We want to take care of our own selves and so that we may take care of others. But we can strengthen our soul through evangelism. Taking the time and making the effort to do the work of an evangelist does a whole lot of good, and it does good things to strengthen our souls and keep our hearts as preachers and elders and deacons and teachers. It grows our compassion for people who need Christ. It guards us from the hypocrisy that comes from preaching about evangelism but failing to practice what we preach. It also gives us credibility to call others to join in sharing the good news of the gospel. Don't dare have someone do something that you yourself will not do, preacher. If a local church is to be dynamically engaged in God's mission of rescuing and redeeming men, women, boys, and girls, the local church must be the local church leaders must lead the way. Missional churches are led by preachers and elders who preach the word and do the work of an evangelist. So if this podcast, this episode on evangelism today seemed maybe uh, a surprising uh, inclusion in a book that's in regards to strengthening a preacher's soul or an elder's soul or any kind of servant, Next week may prove even more unexpected. I'm convinced that guarding our hearts requires guarding our health. We must make sure that we don't, quote, kill the horse. And we'll get into that next week. But as we begin to close this 24th episode of this uh, this podcast, season one, we've got about two or three more weeks. I say we'll have about two weeks left in the tank for this, this first season, and then we will uh, recess for a few and... Uh, we're going to shift shift our focus from just a one-sided conversation to a dual or triple uh, next season, which will begin somewhere in the middle of June. We will begin having one-on-one conversations 
with preachers and elders and, and deacons and teachers uh, and, and having conversations that we need to have and answering questions that we need to answer, situations and um, and problems and blessings and cursings and things in the ministry. So we want to we want to open this up. This will be on video, by the way, which you'll still be able to see uh, through all of your podcast platforms. But still, it will shift from being something that you can just listen to, but it will also be something visual. Um, we're thankful for our folks at Ministry League who are opening the doors for things like this uh, here at Piedmont Road with the hiring of Paul Sperlin. Uh, we have opened up one of our one of our large rooms downstairs to be the Piedmont Road studio where Ministry League will be in uh, next door and uh, we'll be we'll be focusing in on focusing in on a lot of podcasts and things coming down through the channel through Ministry League and we're looking forward to that. So with that said, uh, God be with you in your preaching, but also in doing the work of an evangelist this week. That, focus on that. Shift your focus. Uh, begin to uh, not only serve the kingdom, but also lead the kingdom in service, and especially in regards to evangelism. So may God bless you in your preaching and your teaching and doing the work of an evangelist.